Hello and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. So friends, we've got a new series for you, which we are airing at the beginning of the 22-23 school year in the hopes that the episodes in this series will help you begin this year from a transformational coaching stance, working with the tools that I've offered you in my books and working perhaps effectively, maybe even more efficiently than in previous coaching experiences to help you get into good relationship with the folks that you are coaching and to begin exploring and perhaps shifting their behaviors, beliefs, and ways of being. And this series includes real-life coaching conversations. And I know that many of you have been asking for more of those, so here they are. So in a moment, I'm going to introduce this series to you a little bit more, but first I do want to thank one of our new friends of the show. Elizabeth O. from Wisconsin has just become a friend of the Bright Morning Podcast. Elizabeth, thank you for doing that. And folks, if you want to learn more about how to become a friend of the show, which is what allows us to produce this podcast for you, check out the show notes. I also want to remind you that if you have not yet signed up for my weekly wisdom newsletter, then do so because this newsletter will tell you about new offerings, new resources. You'll get invitations to upcoming free webinars. You will get to hear a little bit more from me about the things that I am thinking about and doing and wanting to share with you. So sign up for the newsletter. That's how you can hear directly from me every week and find out about new resources to help you in your journey as a coach, as a leader, as a human being. You'll find that link in the show notes. Okay, so let me get back to this series and this episode. The series is designed to help demystify transformational coaching by allowing you to observe, to listen into, and begin to internalize the four phases of transformational coaching. I wrote about these phases of transformational coaching in Coaching for Equity, as well as in the Art of Coaching workbook. So do check out those resources for more. In addition, there is a resource I'm giving you with this episode, and you'll find the link to that in the show notes. But let me first give you a very general overview of these phases and the purpose of them. So there are four phases, which can basically be the backbone of your coaching practice. They can be the way you plan a coaching cycle. They can also be the structure for a single coaching conversation. Understanding these phases is essential to developing your coaching practice. So the four phases are, one, surface the current reality. Two, recognize impact. Three, explore emotions, and four, create new practices. Now, sometimes these four phases are sequential, 
and maybe they are in the structure of a coaching cycle, and you might move through them over the course of six or eight weeks. But these phases are also interconnected, and sometimes in one single coaching conversation, I might begin by surfacing current reality. But then that requires that I venture into the phase of exploring emotions, and you'll actually hear me do that a little bit in the coaching conversation that I'm sharing with you today. So, speaking of coaching cycles, I get a lot of questions about these: what happens in a coaching cycle? What constitutes one? How do you do them? And You know, to be honest, I don't usually work with the framework or the language of a coaching cycle. As much as I know that this language and framework is used in many schools and organizations, the framework of the phases, the four phases of transformational coaching, is much more resonant. As it provides the structure for what will support my client. To journey through, rather than plan around a set number of engagements with a client. So, in this series, I'll be demonstrating how I utilize the four phases in a coaching cycle of sorts over the course of five real-life coaching conversations. Okay, so the conversations you are going to hear are with a coachee who's. First name is Jessica. Jessica is a school-based coach, early in her coaching career, who volunteered to be coached by me for this podcast. And we're not going to share any more about who she is or where she works for confidentiality reasons. Jessica and I will meet once a week for five weeks, right now at the beginning of the school year. Each week, we are recording our episode just a few days ahead of when it airs, so you are getting the most authentic experience possible. And so, today in this episode, you are going to hear the first conversation, which is really the beginning of a demonstration of the first phase of transformational coaching, which is surface current reality. So, in a moment, you're going to hear an excerpt of the coaching conversation I had with her. I'm not going to share the whole thing because it's longer than what we want to put in this podcast. But you'll get a good idea of this conversation. And then after you hear that, I'm going to come back in here and tell you a little bit about what I did, and really just offer you some reflection prompts and some specific suggestions about how you can translate what you heard into your coaching practice. But first, I want you to hear what does it sound like to coach someone who is a brand new client. Now, Jessica and I chatted for the first time about three months ago, and she told me a little bit of her background and her context, but I really don't know her. I don't know specifics about her role or the school where she teaches. So what you hear today is a portion of the conversation in which I was getting to know her, asking her some questions about who she is, who she wants to be, what her strengths are, what her areas of growth are, and all of this was 
for the purpose of coming up with a focus for our conversations or an inquiry question for our coaching work together. I wanted to leave her with something she could focus on for the next four sessions and to do some inquiry around in between our sessions. Again, a focus area or an inquiry question. So that's what you're going to hear me do today. All right, so go ahead, listen in now to the excerpt of this coaching conversation, and I'll be back afterwards. So tell me about your strengths as a coach. I feel like my strengths really come from my intersectional identity. And when I say intersect, I really mean being between two things. So from being somebody who's biracial, so black and white, somebody who has dyslexia, but became an English teacher, somebody who grew up low income, but ended up going to a fancy private school for college. I feel like the perspective that I have is really different than a lot of folks that I know. So like in Washington state also, you either have a K-8 endorsement or you have a 6 to 12. But because I did my national boards, I've done elementary school, I've done middle school and high school. So I just feel like I have this very like unique perspective. And the places in my life where I have a marginalized identity, I feel like that's given me a really big heart for equity. And so that's the avenue that I look at everything right? Like who are the people that are not represented in the room? I went to a training a couple of years ago that really shifted my perspective. And the guy said, how do you love black people more than you hate white systems of oppression? And so I think recently taking the avenue of love, like really authentic, deep love and building system structure that love on marginalized people, that is my avenue in my thinking around equity. I also think that I'm really asset-centered. I've noticed over the last two years with teachers, I've really used like, what's your superpower? And I think I have a great ability to help people see their superpowers and focus on the positive, but not in a toxic positivity way, in a real, what's the thing that makes you special? And also because of being dyslexic, because of struggling in school, the professional development that I want to give has to be engaging and it has to have movement. And so I do feel like my approach to professional development, like modeling practices that I'd like to see teachers use, I do feel like that is a really big strength. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. In addition to just so many different perspectives I also hear the way that you are taking ownership of the story that you're telling and whether that's shifting a story into a more empowered place by which to see your life and your intersectional identities and the different marginalization experiences you've had and kind of shifting that into actually that this becomes core to my superpower. Yeah. And I think that's the transition that I'm in right now because it hasn't always been that way. Mm. Like my identity markers or places where I felt like an outcast. I felt like I didn't belong. I didn't feel like school was for me. I didn't feel like teaching was for me. But I think I'm in the process of realizing that I get to write that story. I'm in the process of creating a training right now. And I added that quote in from Onward, basically the story that you tell and that it can be liberatory. The pandemic really made me reassess what's the story that I want to tell about myself. 
and have it be an empowered story. Because even that idea of like, how do you love Black people more than you hate systems of oppression? Like, how do I love myself more than the systems that I work in? Right? Mm, mm, mm. That's beautiful. I'm excited to be with you in this brief moment as part of this transition. I'm curious about how that might play into what we focus on. So let's just go into what do you feel like are your areas of growth as a coach? Our district has standards for coaching and think being new, the coaching skill set, right? So asking questions and listening, I think that's always a point of growth. I know that last year I felt really overwhelmed with the amount of lists of like sentence stems or questions that I could ask. I'm a former college athlete. So being able to put those into muscle memory, I don't have that yet. And I'm aware that I don't have that. And so I'd like to get better at that. I think in terms of coaching adult learners, you know, using their schema, helping them build agency. I think sometimes I need to leave behind the idea of the right way to do something because that can kind of be a hindrance and equity is a core belief. And so I noticed sometimes a tension last year where like my beliefs of, of equity came into conflict with my ability to coach some of the folks that I worked with. So that's kind of interesting. And then I think all of that is building and maintaining relationships. I can do connection really well. I can find touch points, but it's the building and maintaining over time. And I'll just be honest, that's really scary for me to have that sort of like intimate relationship with somebody. Mm. And I feel like it also requires a level of integrity that I don't think I've ever had before. And not to say, you know, I'm some awful person, but like the level of integrity and confidentiality, this role being a new coach, I'm realizing the gravity and the heaviness of that. And I want to do that well. Mm -hmm. Say a little bit more about why it feels scary, the building and maintaining relationships. I think that's just my personality. You know, I've never been somebody who's had a lot of friends, always just a few. And those relationships are very deep. And the friendships that I've had are friendships that like, you know, we don't talk for three months and we pick up just where it was before. And so the maintaining of relationships and the consistency of that, I don't know if that's a skill set that I have. And something that I realized that you have to have in this job is that consistency piece. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because I don't think I've ever thought of myself as an inconsistent person but perhaps that's true with friendships and not that coaching is a friendship, but I guess that's like the mental model that I'm kind of working off of right now. Mm-hmm. So there's no right or wrong answers for any of these. And I just want you to share whatever comes to mind first in response to this question, who do you want to be this year? You asked the question about what do I want this year? Is that different? Mm-hmm. Who do you oh, want to be? I'll be honest. <laughs> I want to be dope and humble at the same time. I want to have a professional development that people love going to and they feel fulfilled. Well, maybe I won't say love, but they find the appreciation and the skills and the meaning that we make together at that time. Okay, wait, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Why, why can't they love it? Why did you retract that? I don't know. I think that, oh man, last year, the school that I was at, I think I produced incredibly quality professional development 
but there was some real brokenness in the school. And after the fact, once I left, then people said, wow, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. But during it, I think they were too messy to be able to access joy. And I think during the pandemic, because I did a lot of professional development during that time, it was really hard for people to access joy in their professional life. So I think that's where that came from. So you're lowering your expectations or your hopes because of this past experiences and really unhealed pain that's there. Yeah. And I think like my tears right now, it's not necessarily my pain. Well, maybe it is my pain, but it's, I'm just so sad for teachers right now and the relationship that they have to their job. You know, I was stressed out by being a teacher. I know what it's like to like work outside of contract times and resent parts of that, but I always loved my job. And I didn't see a lot of that last year. I'm also hearing you didn't love your job last year. Yeah, it was really hard. Yeah. So it's okay to have those feelings. That's just what it was. Okay, so let's come back to this question. Who do you want to be this year? And just throw anything out. Are there any metaphors or symbols that could reflect some of what you're sharing? Well, the school that I'm working at now is in the woods. And there are these parts where you drive through and there's these big trees that reach up and they cover up the canopy and the light filters through. And it's just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And it feels a little bit magical and you feel the age of the trees and the depth at which like they're holding into the ground. And so for me, that peace, that calm, that magic, that steadfastness, that is all the metaphor that I want to live in. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. And how wonderful that you get to actually be in the presence of that symbol that you are wanting to embody I think also it's not really a metaphor or simple, but the idea of disruption too, like being a black person in the woods. I love that I get to do that in the next year. Being an instructional coach, that's also a kid that struggled, giving that perspective. I want to be a disruption to how school is always done or how we always perceive it, mm -hmm. which can be painful at times, right? When you're being can be a disruption. Mm -hmm. In our instructional coaching groups, we have a cohort in our district. There's a tension that I'm noticing as a new person in this space as a coach. Uh, there's this push of like, you have to build relationships, but also what you talk about, like transformative change. There's a tension there because I think we think of, well, I'll speak for myself. That model of relationship is in friendship or in kind, but like, that idea that a relationship can be challenging and it can be mentorship. That's just what I notice attention in the coaches that I see. So there's a few directions that we could go in right now. And I want to share those with you and then hear what you feel like would be most helpful in terms of you having maybe deeper insight into who you are right now as a coach and who you can become. And so we could dig more deeply into this question of building and maintaining relationships. You talked about that as something that is scary, but also you mentioned a skill set. And so that's something we could dig into. 
we could also dig more deeply into you identifying who you want to be. We can go farther into what does this look like? What does this sound like? How will you know? Or we could dig more deeply into the experience you're having right now, this sort of tension or discrepancy or experience between your own commitment to disruption and transformation and what you're perceiving as your district's focus on relationships. So of those three areas, which one feels like it might be most useful? I feel like the building and maintaining relationships with being a coach of color, working with predominantly white teachers, because I think that's also where some of that fear comes from. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed last year is some messiness that I wasn't adept to navigating yet. Mm. Would it be helpful to unpack some of that? Yeah, it's kind of exciting because this year, being at a different school, it feels like year one again. And so it feels like a redo, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But I was teasing out why did the building and maintaining relationships feel so messy and like broke it down to unhealthy patterns within the space that I was in, but also noticing with my equity lens, like white supremacist values. So I don't know. It's like when it all intermixes, I want to separate it and compartmentalize it. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm realizing maybe I can't do that, but that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would that give you to be able to separate it and compartmentalize it? Well, I think part of the fear is a coach of color working with white teachers is whatever the given situation. Is this because this adult is exhibiting some unhealthy patterns or behaviors in their life? Or is this white supremacist culture or undercover racism presenting itself in the work that we do together? And I think I need clarity on that because, and I don't know if what I'm going to say is actually true. I feel like as a coach right now, there are times where it's like the frustrations, the pain, the disservices, the equity issues that I'm seeing as a person of color versus the instructional coaching that needs to happen. Like those feel separate. Mm-hmm. And because there's pain on that side. And I feel like in order to do my job as an instructional coach, I can't be in a place of pain. Mm -hmm. And so there's a tension there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tension is to be an instructional coach, you can't be in a place of pain. And you are in a place of pain. Is that? Well, I think what I want to figure out is like, Do I need to have on my instructional coach hat or when do I shift? Maybe it's not even shift. It's like, how do I integrate those two into the same Mm. so that I can do the work around equity effectively? Like, how do you be you and do the work effectively? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Do you have to separate out the part of you that has experienced pain, that has been marginalized, that has an equity lens, that sees white supremacy culture and values, do you have to separate that out to be an effective instructional coach? Is that what it feels like? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's the like double consciousness that Du Bois talks about. Mm -hmm. Do you think you will ever be able to compartmentalize and separate yourself out in that way? 
I feel like I want to, like my natural tendency is like, well, let me put this over here. Let me put this over here. But I don't think that's going to work. So I guess the tension is like integrating the two so that I can be more effective. It's not going to work. And you know that. And that's actually like your wiser part of you telling you like, this is the question because that's not going to work. And maybe you've done it. And yet it hasn't worked. Yes. And there's probably lots of real clear reasons you could name them all. This is why it hasn't worked. So then that's really interesting because I feel like the question I'm hearing is how do I integrate these parts of myself and be effective as a coach? So at this time of year, then the question is how do I bring all of me and build relationships in a system or a school where I mean, it's so much easier if you just assume there is white supremacy culture at play because there is, right? There just is. There's no way there isn't, not in this country or many parts of this world. So if you assume it's there, how do you be your whole self and build relationships at the beginning of the school year? And now as you're talking, I also feel like the issue is just being new, right? Like the skill set is new. And so I'm not compartmentalized, but I'm living more in my experience as a person of color than I am in that coaching role because I don't have the muscle memory yet. So it's a lot of newness I'm hearing too, right? It's new as a coach. I would say newness in trying to take a different kind of stance or a different mindset in this work. Those are the beliefs and the ways of being that you're trying to integrate and incorporate. So one of the things that I talk about, write about, say, is in order to be an effective transformational coach, you have to start with yourself. And you have to consistently attend to your transformation and to your behaviors, beliefs, and ways of being. So when I say that this is what's coming to mind is as you are entering into all of this newness and new relationships, what comes to mind in terms of how you can attend to yourself? Well, it's funny because I was listening to the podcast and I was listening to where you talked about reflection and preparing for one-on-one meetings. And I think last year I was like, go, go, go so much. And just like, here's the thing. Let's do this. Let's do that. Go to this meeting, be with this PLC, have this one-on-one that I didn't build in time to slow it down and be able to reflect. And one thing that I want to put in place is having 15 minutes before and after a meeting set aside for that. And I'm going to color code my calendar because that's just who I am. (laughs) But I want to build that into the time. And if I can't do an extra meeting because that's there, I want to safeguard that time. So that's one thing that I definitely want to do. So that was like a tangible skill that I was like, oh, that's like how I can develop the muscle memory and the process of becoming a better coach, building in the prep and reflection time. Mm. That's huge. I mean, both the commitment or the intention to do it, as well as your insight about why that matters, that's going to be really helpful. I'm wanting to kind of go back to the building of relationships since it's the beginning of the year. What has helped you in the past to build trust in someone else? Building trust in someone else. So I think my husband has taught me (laughs) a lot about building trust And part of that is the consistency piece of just being there day in and day out. So that's one thing. Another thing I want to do better this year, the consistency of having casual FaceTime with people and just being in proximity. So that consistency is one piece. I think also my husband is the calm one 
and I'm the one that has big emotions and passion and all of that. And so I think what I've learned from him is it isn't always that serious all the time. And Mm -hmm. so to find the light moments and to just find the time of just being. So like when we were first together, he's like, you can be bored and that's fine. And I was like, what do you mean I can be bored? He's like, you don't have to be doing things all the time. And I think this like acceptance of just being in that calmness, I want to show that to folks. I don't want to be driven by a motor because I don't want to model that for the teachers that I work with because I do want them to have more balance and I do want them to be able to find joy. So that's another aspect. Hmm. That's what's, I guess, what's coming first to mind. Yeah. So I'm curious about your thoughts around how you can structure and set yourself up for consistency. Cause that's something you've talked about a couple of times. I hear that you've got a sort of calendar system. It sounds like you've got some systems for organization to What do you think you can do in terms of planning for consistency? Yeah. So, so here's what I noticed. If I could sit on a computer and plan professional development, I would do that as much as I possibly could. And so I'm noticing it's very tempting to isolate myself in that way. But in order to have that consistent face time, there's going to have to be something where my computer is not near me. And I don't know, is it like systematizing of, no, that sounds too rigid, but you know, a question of the week that I try to touch base with everybody. The school that I'm at right now has two different campuses within this park. And so part of it is going to be like spending a day at campus A and a day at campus B every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. But I think consistency is tricky because consistency means that I just have to be with you more often. And that means I have to be more vulnerable. And that's the scary part. That's so powerful that you're making that connection, that you're hearing that, right? Because consistency is in some ways tip of an iceberg. It's a behavior again. And so in transformational coaching, we dig deeper into what are the underlying beliefs and ways of being. And that's where we get into the emotions. And so you're making that connection. It's just really powerful to come back again to the fear and the fear that underlies the relationship building. So what I think I want to encourage you to do is think about, identify a handful of teachers I don't know what your total sort of caseload is, whatever is a handful, you know, know, all on Friday. How, and so how many are you going to be coaching? Well, so I've got a school, um, all content areas, um, and it's a nine through 12 and it's a specialty school. So there's people that do underwater robotics. There's folks that do salmon spawning. Like I'm going to be coaching very much outside of my content area. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That sounds really fun. But so, I mean, what I'm suggesting is if you end up having to coach 15 people, just pick three who are the ones that you are like, these are the three I'm going to build strong relationships with. And I want there. So I, I uh, taught at a university at the area, like a summer program for the pre-service candidates. And so there's three of them that are on staff. So that might be a natural fit. Great. Because actually what I was going to say is pick the easiest three. 
Like if you have a relationship with people already, the ones that you feel sort of more comfortable with that you gravitate to, I want you to pick three people who will be the easiest to form relationship with because I want you to build your confidence in being able to form relationships and, and step into the scary bits because it still will be scary, but stepping into it, um, maybe just with, you know, a little bit more comfort, some buffering. And then what I want you to do is see how metacognitive you can become about how self-aware you can become about the way that you're forming relationships, what you ask, what you share, how consistency shows up. I have a feeling you have a really powerful and strong and competent sort of organizational analytical side to you. And I want you to engage that part, like let that part be watching what you're doing and noticing all the strengths, all the assets in how you're going about that. Is there a relationship skill set framework or a, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> I love that question. I love that. Now I can hear you, you like rubrics. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear that. That's the analytical part of you. I love that question. That's such a beautiful question because I think what you're asking is like, what does it look like to build relationships? What yeah. does it look like? Sound like, how do I do it? Give me the checklist. <laughs> I want to do it. It's so honest. Um, so what's coming to my mind is you are doing it. You're doing it with me in this conversation. You're sharing things, you're revealing, you're sharing the emotions about the things, you're asking questions. Yeah, uh, we have a coach of coaches here and she always talks about just getting curious. And I love that and it's frustrating in the same vein. So I'm like, well, but what should I be curious about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you want some specific direction. You want, I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm a little reluctant because there's no way that you can be sort of the adult that you are without having learned how to form some relationships. It sounds yeah. like you have a good relationship with your husband. So somewhere along the line, you have developed some skills. Maybe it's in a professional context. Maybe it's one in which your identity markers feel more salient and more at play in the bigger context. Um, well, I think that's what, like, now that you say that it's the relationships in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's hard for a lot of people. Right. And especially in some ways, it feels like it's even harder in the last 15, 20 years, maybe 10 years as we're like trying to be more vulnerable and full humans at work. And so we're trying to figure out like, what is appropriate to share or not share or ask, um, start off with what feels like the most obvious and the basics, ask people about in my books, there's questions to ask people, you know, ask them about their teaching career, ask them what they love to do, what their visions are for themselves, what their hopes are, what they feel good about. Um, offer a little bit of information so that you're making personal, look for personal connections and intersections. See if you can find some commonalities, whether it's around food you like or music or things you like to do on the weekends, look for commonalities. That's a very, I'd put that on the rubric of how do we build relationships, right? We find the commonalities that are um, 
exist outside of our roles and identity markers. Um, and you might also ask them how, what they know about themselves in terms of how they like to build relationships. Think about it almost as a little bit of an inquiry too, like learning how do other people build relationships? Is it consistency showing up? Is it having longer, more vulnerable conversations? Is it, oh, I just really love that you sent me that text message saying, have a great first day of school. People are different. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think that I, the invitation to be curious about, be curious about, um, what works for them, you know, who they are, what works for them, how they get motivated, how they think about themselves, how they think, how they um, understand themselves. Because what you're trying to do, the purpose, I guess maybe, maybe this is helpful. Think about ultimately what's the purpose. The purpose is so that you can help them grow. You can help them reflect on who they are as teachers and grow. So to do that, you need to know something about their development sense of themselves and experience. Yeah. As you were talking, I started thinking about, I, I think the issue is like 12 years in the classroom. I was really driven by experiences that my students were going to have. And this is different than that. Hmm. But, or, and you in the classroom were thinking about how to help your students grow and develop. And that's the same mindset as teachers. They're just big kids, right? Like, how do you help them grow? This is what they care about now. It's different context because there is not as much compliance. There's not, you know, they're adults and so on and so on. Um, but you're trying to think about how do I help them grow? And to, for anybody to learn, there has to be a level of trust in the teacher, and so asking questions about what helps you, there are also questions in my book about sort of what helps you feel, what, what does trust you? What helps you build trust? People who keep their word, people who go above and beyond, people who really listen, but asking those questions to others, like, yeah, you can find that stuff in psychology, but learn from the people in front of you. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, the school that I'm going to, um, I I was told that there's a there's low trust in some of the staff, and so they want me to help work on the climate and culture around trust. Mm. So do lots of listening, lots of open ended questions that invite people to share what they think, what their stories are. Storytelling is really great for building trust. So I want to ask you as we sort of come to closing up, right now, do you feel like you have any clarity on maybe a question that you'd like to explore in our sessions together that you want to go more deeply into about yourself as a coach? It's not totally a formed sentence, but it's, it's like, it's building, maintaining relationships that have balance. Mm -hmm. um, because it's the professional setting 
So we're there to get better, but I want you to know that I care about you. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and what's my style of doing that? Like, Mm. I, I know that will evolve and change over time, but it does feel like the first year of teaching again of like trying on this mentor teacher, but instead it's like this person's set of questions or this thing that I saw from my coach or, you know, it's, it's trying things on, but I want to know what my style is. Mm, I love that. It's really beautiful. So I heard something like, how do I build, how do I build and maintain balanced relationships? And what's my style? Mm-hmm. How can I be me? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. I love that. Yeah. Um, I love that you are centering yourself and, and doing so still with an inquiry sort of stance, like it could be this, or is it this, or trying on this? I I appreciate that you're giving yourself that permission. So I'm going to just follow up in an email and send you what I just jotted down. And you are, of course, absolutely welcome to change it, change the words, add something, but I'm just going to share what I had just scribbled down um, because this is your question and your learning and your growth. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I'm excited then in our next four sessions to see where this takes us. Um, and so I gave you your your assignment then in the next week until we talk, which is to identify those three teachers who you're going to really focus on building relationship with and, um, and then starting to just pay attention and notice what comes up, even as you think about that, as you go into meeting them, as you go into this context. And I want to encourage you if possible to spend a minimum of 15 minutes a day, maybe 20, 30, just journaling on what you notice and what comes up. It's such a, this is such a powerful time for learning as you go into a new context. You just have the potential for so much insight and growth. So what comes up for you as you start meeting new people, really looking for the fear? I want to encourage you to like Find all the moments of fear and get curious about them because they, they were, they're coming up to be your teachers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we have our first PD day on Friday. And then the next uh, Monday, we have a full school uh, retreat, which is a sleepover. And so it's a lot of time together. Ooh. Oh, yeah, those are perfect. Those are like the most <laughs> intense to, to learn about yourself and all your fears. All yeah. your, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so exciting. Well, and then we'll get to talk on Tuesday. So I'm so excited to hear then what that'll be like. You'll just be coming out of that intensive. Um, that'll be a lot. Yeah. And then I get one more PD day. So this first one is very much about like building relationships. And like we have a framework that we use, um, which is kind of funny that we're talking about this. Um, and then the next one is going to be way more instructional based, but I want to um, try and make them integrate. Mm. Wow. It's, it, there feel, it feels like there's a lot of overlap between some of the things that are happening. So mm-hmm. very cool. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I'm going to stop the recording. Okay. Um, 
All right, friends, I hope that was helpful as an example of phase one of transformational coaching in which we surface the current reality. Now, again, in the show notes, I'm linking to a resource that you can use to learn more about these phases. And this resource comes from Coaching for Equity. And there is also content about the phases in the Art of Coaching workbook. So in this first phase, I wanted to understand Jessica's current reality, her challenges, her strengths, her opportunities. I wanted to hear about her vision for herself, her goals. I wanted to get a sense of what might be on the plate in terms of some of the potential challenges that she might be facing or the mental models that we might want to explore and shift. I also wanted to get a sense of her emotional landscape. So I hope you heard all of that and also the inquiry question that we got to, what I wanted her to be able to take away as a focus for our sessions together. So, you know, we engage in coaching or we coach because we want to help someone make growth in who they are, what they do, what they believe, who they are. And when we go into this growth or learning experience, it's really the coach's responsibility to shape and guide that journey so that the learner can be successful after a coaching cycle or whatever period of time you're working with someone. So we can do that by helping someone land on a focus or an inquiry question. Here's my suggestion for you as you begin meeting with new clients or even with folks that you've worked with before. First, reflect and prepare for those conversations. Ground your reflection and planning in phase one, surface the current realities. Consider how you can get a sense or an understanding of their strengths, their beliefs, their aspirations for what they want to do and who they want to be. Can you use some of the questions that I asked? Some of those were really simple. I just said, tell me about your strengths. I said, what do you think are your areas for growth? I asked, who do you want to be this year? There were a few times when I said, tell me more about that. So sometimes it's simple. I want you to think also about what you can transfer into your own practice and how you can connect what you hear with your client's goals or inquiry questions. I know that some of you work in places where a teacher or a client's goals are clear and established. There's some kind of evaluation tool maybe or rubric that they need to work from. So as you heard with Jessica in that conversation, we didn't have that. So the goals for our work together could be anything. The inquiry question could be anything. You want to think about how you can connect the learning that you're doing about someone's current reality with where they want to go or where you're going to help them go, regardless of whether that is predetermined, whether it's based on an evaluation tool, or it's an area that is fully within your client's choosing. Now, as you're doing this, if you want to take it one step further, Here's what you can do. 
Ask yourself these same questions to reflect on your own coaching practice. Because as I said in my conversation with Jessica, transformational coaching always starts with you. So ask yourself, what are your strengths? What are your areas for growth? Who do you want to be this year? Is there a question that could guide you in your reflection and learning and growth? Even if you don't have a coach or someone guiding you through this, you can still identify an inquiry question. You could explore it for six weeks, two months, or you could explore it through the whole year. And just as I suggested to Jessica, I would encourage you to begin a regularish practice of journaling. Journaling is a super powerful structure to help you capture some of your observations, your insights, your learning. If you want to take it a step further, you could find someone to partner with, like a coach or another teacher leader, someone a buddy in your learning journey. And of course, I also want to remind you that you can always come to Bright Morning where you will find a community of coaches in our workshops and in our learning experiences who are committed to digging into who they are and reflecting on what they do, what they believe, and who they want to be. All right, friends, that is it for this episode. Next week, I'll be back continuing to demonstrate the four phases of transformational coaching, and you'll get to hear my second conversation with Jessica. And in the meantime, friends, if you have not yet rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, here comes my plea for you to do that, because I'd be so grateful if you could take those 30, 60 seconds to jump over And just, again, quickly rate us, review us. I read all of those reviews. Thank you to all who have done that. It does make a big difference. Okay, friends, I also want to thank Leslie Bigford, who is this podcast producer. Have a good week, folks, and I'll see you back here next Monday.